Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. What's up, everybody? So uh, I'm just sitting here, like in my room, with my cup of tea. And basically, I figured I need to put out an episode that is going to talk about why my show is even here and who I am. I get questions like, you know, how did you even get the accent? How do you find people to talk to on your show? So I was like, you know what? Let me dedicate an episode to talk about this so that you can have an idea on who I am, the brain behind Africa in Focus. You know, I'm the face that you see coming on Facebook Live every Sunday. So uh, here we are. And uh, I will introduce myself. Uh, well, my full name is Augustina Austin, and my artist name is Miss Abba. Um, I am of Ghanaian descent, born and raised in the Netherlands. But as I always say, I will forever <laughs> be a Ghanaian. Like, there is no denying that. It's part of who I am. It's a consciousness where I've uh, grown up with, where I've been raised up with. So it's like, I could never be that person that tells you, you know what, I'm Dutch. That's it. Nah, no, that's not going to work. Um, anyway, that is a bit of who I am. And um, to give you a bit of more of idea, because um, what I'll get into is, you know, how did African focus get here? Um, maybe it will give you a better understanding as to why this show was created and uh, what I intend to do with it uh, as a whole. Um, to go just a little bit back on who I am, um, well, I was born to Ghanaian immigrants who came to the Netherlands in the late 70s. And my parents came here because my dad firstly had to complete his, uh, his studies in um, technical engineering uh, in the Netherlands. And my mom strolled along. <laughs> um, they started life together. And I know from their story is that, you know, the intent was, you know, to go to an English speaking country, because obviously going to an English speaking country um, takes less effort. Uh, because there is not not necessarily a language barrier, but they ended up staying here for whatever reason. Um, they really integrated well into the system in a sense that they learned the Dutch language. Obviously, uh, my mom with his with my well, my dad with his degree, and uh, my mom also, you know, finding work and being trained um, as a secretary. You know, you're gonna have to learn the language. And uh, both of my parents, you know, really taught me um, because I'm the second one of three sisters. Um, they both taught us to, you know, in spite of the fact that you integrate and or as we call it, integration. You know, I don't know if that's used in the same context in the U.S., or Canada or U.K., but as in adapting to the culture of, of the Netherlands um, that was really a consciousness of like, hey, you know, you're learning the language, you're here um, in, in a country, you know, um, which is Dutch. You're going to be a Dutch person, but never let go of really where you're from. So I grew up um, speaking Dutch, English and tree, you know, uh, both of my sisters, we understand the language and speak it. So we were really brought up with that consciousness of, hey, this is who you are. 
and you might blend in with the Dutch, but when they come to your home, give them a taste of Africa. So our home was really uh, a place where any white person, you know, if you come to have dinner with us, which you always do, you start out with a good light soup, <laughs> you know, um, then we go into a jollof rice or, or something like that. You know, you would really have a good taste of our culture and me growing up within that environment really stood out strong as to who I am. You know what I mean? And um, one of the uh, a strong element or an African element of, you know, what was within our home beside the language beside the music and beside anything else was also um, African music, the art side, basically. Back in the day, back in the 90s, I'm talking about the 90s, my dad was a co-organizer of African Festival. And it was large, you know, it was organized at a football stadium in Delft. At that time, it was one of the few African festivals organized. And... Um, being there, you know, being around the music, the live music, the audience, and really having that love for Africa allowed me to um, not give up my African side because I thought, you know, the Netherlands or whatever is better. So I really grew up into that. Um, my parents got divorced when I was around the age of nine. So I was predominantly brought up by a single mom who was really rooted in, you know, what get your education. And she was really proactive and involved in uh, me and my sister's choice of education and what we were doing and all of those stuff. Even though we were African, she was not really um, distinct or, you know, prompted, prompting us to be an engineer or a doctor or something like that. Because that seems to be the African dream throughout. I think for every person that migrates and travels to the West, you know, they end up traveling and they want their kids to be the best. And a lot of times the best on the ladder of their thinking is being a doctor, engineer, whatever. But she didn't have that. She really believed in finishing your education in an area where you are created for and, you know, recognizing your strength and developing yourself to an extent where it's so much professional, you know. So that was really um, instilled in my life and in the life of my sisters throughout, you know, her being so much involved, being so busy as a single mom, really reflected on or really gave us like a distinct uh, idea of what a modern African woman, modern African educated, strong woman does for her kids, basically. Um, so that is really much the environment that I come from uh, where, you know, in the Netherlands, <laughs> as a young lady that I really uh, grew up with. One thing also is that we were really much exposed to travel. Because um, one thing about, you know, a diasporan, as I would call us, or Africans, is that, listen, we're widespread over the world. And uh, you'll find us in Amsterdam, you'll find a lot of us Indians in London, New York, Washington, Los Angeles, you know, and that allows travel to happen a lot. You know, it's not as 
in a way where, you know what, I'm going to go on a vacation to what Asia or something. It's always coming back to, okay, let me travel to a family member or something like that. So us being exposed to travel, because basically what we would do is, or my mom would do, she would really save up to traveling. I don't know. She has just the passion for traveling. And I have that thing as well. Like traveling is, I love it. She would really save up crazy towards traveling and really having us to be exposed to different environments so that we could understand, you know, our environment and and, and appreciate our, our area where we're from just a bit more. And we could be able to adapt um, better to other cultures and learn more on how to share, how to be open, how to really share on where you come from. You know what I mean? So uh, we were really much exposed to travel. And that is the reason I got this accent, basically. You know, when you travel in your teens, listen, the reason for my accent is this. My family relatives, so cousins and all of that living in Canada, US, UK, and soap series, (laughs) and talking, oh yeah, speaking a lot of English at church as well, you know. Now, the Netherlands pretty much is really, you know, how the Netherlands, how Dutch people are, they're really open to other cultures. They're traders, you know. So, and also we're not high in numbers, as in the Dutch consists of like 16 million inhabitants, which is not much at all. You know what I mean? So their culture is more leaning to, okay, let's learn all these languages. You know what I mean? So that that is one of the reasons why um we get to learn a lot of languages but also church played a very vital role in speaking english like a lot and listening to tree also which also enables any diaspora to really um develop develop themselves in understanding tree so all of these things contributed to why i talk like this and, um, you know, where I stand now as a diasporan. Well, first of all, let me just say this, that Africa Unfocused just did not come overnight. It went through a whole process. It went through stages. It went through different names and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it, it didn't come overnight. Um, but let me go back to, you know, where I come from and everything. Um, so... Going to school, primary school, you know, secondary school, I come from a home that's really focused on education and, you know, um, speaking different languages, which is, which is pretty, you know, normal for us. But I'm explaining it this way um, because when I travel, when I travel to a UK or US, it's often uh, where I get the question, oh, so which languages do you know? Oh, that's so cool, you know? Um, so that's why I'm given that background story like that. And um, so I went to secondary school, which was not easy. I mean, I've been, I'm not a dropout, but how do you call it? I've repeated. I have, I have had to repeat a class. So I had my tough um, my tough road, you know, at secondary school, but, you know, by the grace of God, I pulled through and was able to get my diploma to finally reach that stage of going to university. Um, we call it university or university of applied science to be uh, specific. I finally got there 
And when I finally got there, I opted for uh, international business and management. I knew that business was my thing. I knew that I wanted to do something international pretty much because we had been taken out to travel. Um, you know, my interest and even that of my sisters to really settle or to work um, anything international related really became strong in us. We all knew that, hey, if it comes to wherever God is going to take us within our destiny, it would definitely be abroad. So I really had a strong sense of that. And besides, for some reason, um, I master English better <laughs> in writing than in Dutch. So I knew like, you know, if I was going to be, you know, balling uh, in this area, let me opt for English because that's really the area where I can express myself fully and um, where I know that that carries something for me. So on as I go, opted for international business and management studies. Uh, after the first year, I just knew that this was not for me. And two subjects confirmed all of it. First one was quantitative research. Ugh. Listen, explaining formulas without a calculator is not my thing, you know? I'm the thing is with me, I have had to discover and really had to accept that my strength is being creative, you know? The calculation of things, <laughs> I need to get some somebody for that. So and the other subjects was logistics because that was super boring. And I talked to it to my mother and I said, you know what, after the first year and also with my uh, educational coach or as a mentor, school mentor, I talked to him about it. And I was like, I really had to like think about it and search deep into who I am and where I want to go. And I knew that. I wanted to do something with magazines, editorial, creating content actually was what I really wanted to do. So he agreed and supported me with that. My mom also supported me with that. Like she has supported me in anything. Just the main goal for her was like, just get educated, make things professional, sharpen whatever it is that you have. And that's really something that I appreciate from her. So on um, as I looked to which kind of subject uh, fall in line with what I do, and then we ended up, I ended up choosing communications. And communications, I mean, I love that study. First of all, you didn't have to go to class that much. That was number one. And number two is that there were subjects that I really mastered. The graphics area I mastered. The speaking area I mastered. Um, the branding area I mastered, you know, of course there were a couple of weaker points, but, um, these were really my strengths and I ultimately finished that and I ended up being really a happy, happy person. Uh, so one thing that happened is, um, and I talked about this at a speaking event called Hate Talks, um, about my interest for magazines. You know what I mean? I explained that I had, I came to a point of really being frustrated with Dutch magazines. Um, I signed up for Glamour magazine. Uh, you know, it was just the, the launching of the magazine. And the first year round, the, um, the magazine costed about one euros. So I was like, you know what, let me sign up for this. I signed up. 
And at that moment in time, you like sign up and you receive a application gift, you know, and it was a Lancome Juicy Tube. And I am so fond of Lancome Juicy Tube. Juicy Tube is the plug, like really. And I got three of those. So I was super happy. And plus it was a magazine that I enjoyed reading. Um, you know, we covered things about stars and everything and fashion, which I really loved. Uh, although the hair tips, uh, were totally irrelevant to a girl, black African girl like me. <laughs> um, I still enjoyed reading it, you know, but at some point when they celebrated their 25th edition, they had a special edition where they kind of outlined all of the covers that they had, 25 of them lined up and I realized no black woman was on there. You know what I mean? I was like, are you serious? You know, and not even a Beyonce, you know? And that's when it hit me that, you know, if it comes to the success of these magazines, there are no black people involved. It There is nothing this magazine has that speaks to a girl like me, you know? So I ended my subscription basically because I was looking now for content that would speak to me in regards to fashion, style, hair care, um, relationships, and so much more. And this was, let's say, around 2010. And 2009 is... is 2009 actually was a year where I won Face of Ghana. Yes, I was a pageant queen. And uh, it also ended up being the year where I started uh, as a presenter. I started out doing gigs and going to events and presenting. In 2012 is where I officially started as an independent presenter, getting paid for it, you know. So this was 2010-ish. And I was still, you know, in the course of my education communications. And I was like, listen, I need to find something that really speaks to me as a young African lady. And one thing that I really drew inspiration from was the BET and all of the blogs that I uh, read at that point. There were a couple of blogs that I always read and that focused on music and entertainment, the young black and fabulous Bossip, you know, so I was really looking at these platforms because they really represented a culture, uh, which I love, you know, it was in America spoke to black people and even black people enthusiasts. <laughs> um, and I was like, listen, we need this. And when I say we is not black people internationally, because Obviously, an Ebony magazine could have replaced my Glamour magazine crush, you know. I was looking for something that spoke to the African culture, the diaspora culture, the being children of migrants culture, you know, still being African in the West culture. That was really the content what I was looking for. So I talked to my sister about it. She was like, why don't you start a blog? And this was the era where blogging really started to rise. You know, the WordPress, Blogspot. Um, so I ended up thinking, hey, you're right. Let me produce the content 
that I am looking for as a diasporan, as this black girl, as this African that grew up with Dutch, English, and and Cree, and and all these other languages and stuff like that. Because I know millions of them are out there. I just knew it. So I started this blog uh, platform called Abina. At first, this talk. At first, the name was Abina Speaks. And I did Abina Speaks because it spoke out of a frustrating status, as we would say. But I then quickly uh, changed it to Abina Mac, uh, abbreviation of magazine or no shortage of magazine. And then I changed it to Abina Online. Now, other people out there were doing what I was doing. Or let's say I was doing what they were doing. You had one Nigerian boy.com. Um, at that time, Amayao Deborah, but he really focuses on the Ghanaian market. So there were a few that were really um, out there, you know, doing that thing. You had, uh, what's this called? Is it Nija Bella? Nija Bella was there as well, but they obviously focused more on the Nigerian market. And I needed a platform that focuses on Africans living in the West, you know. So I started this blog, created content, you know, started writing um, about H&M taking on uh, African print. I started writing about, um, you know, our black hair treatment regimen. I started writing about, um, what's her name? The, the lady... She was editor-in-chief of Italian Vogue. She passed away. Rest in peace. Can't get her name right now, you know. She traveled to Ghana and Nigeria for fashion. And I started writing on that type of stuff. It was really cool. Like, I was really doing the satisfying work next to my studies. And what I would also do is discover, because that was the period, 2011, 12-ish, where African Fashion Week started popping up. You know, that was this rise of, hey, um, African print uh, blended with European styles and particular other dresses. So what happened was, is that the younger generation started to understand that, hey, opposing to me only wearing my traditional clothes on uh, outdoorings and whatever family occasions in a style which my auntie wears the same. I can now change this fashion piece to a dress that I really love. And I got from H&M, you know, that type of thing started really to evolve. So that was news that was content for me. So there is where content creators started. And this was 2010. My, my point of content creating had arrived. Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaonfocus.com. And follow me on all your social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Allah. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle.